Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Pastor Ryan already introduced uh, each Wednesday evening during the Lent, uh, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John and, and essentially asking uh, this question, um, so why was it that people came to believe about Jesus that he wasn't just a, a very good moral man or, or great teacher, but he was much more than that? Uh, as that song reminds us, there, there's no one like him. Um, why was it that people considered him to be actually the Son of God and, and that because of that, then he could forgive sins and he could give them eternal life. And why do we today still believe that? Well, in the Gospel of John, it's kind of interesting, there are seven miraculous things that Jesus did which no human could do. And John says about them that they are signs. They are signs that John recorded for us so that we would believe about Jesus, that he is the Christ, that he's the Son of God, and that by believing in him, then we can have life in his name. And and, and so I want to just ask you, what's a sign? What do you think of when you think of a sign? I think of road signs. And and, um, road signs then are are something that that tell us something we need to know, right? Uh, So it might say bump, or it might say curb, or speed limit, or stop, right? And uh, what happens if you ignore the road signs? Can be serious. Yeah, there can be serious consequences. Well, the miracles that Jesus did that are recorded in John here are miracles he did while he was here on earth, and John says about them, they are signs. They, they are telling us about deeds that Jesus did um, that indicate something that everybody should know then about Jesus. Yeah, they reveal that he's the Son of God that he's the one and only Savior for the world. And, and if you choose then to ignore those signs that reveal who he is, uh, then there, can be, there will be serious, even eternal consequences. I invite you to look if you have uh, Bibles with you. You're welcome to do that. I think it's going to be on the screen as well here. We're going to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 2, where it tells us about that wedding at Cana and the miracle that Jesus did, which was the first sign. And I invite you to stand God's word as we read there. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, What business do you have with me, woman? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Whatever he tells you, do it. And now there were six stone water pots standing there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing two or three measures each. And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And now when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the groom, and he said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the guests have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. 
this beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And after this, he, came, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this first sign that you um, revealed your identity in, and we pray that as we meditate on that today, you'd help us to see uh, what that tells us about you and also the people and how they responded to that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So there's an outline on the one side of your sheet there. I want to just go through six things here. First of all, the situation that gave Jesus this opportunity for this first sign, and, and that was that there was this wedding that took place in this little village of Cana, and the information I found suggests that that's about 12 miles away from Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. And the text tells us that Jesus' mother, Mary, was there at the wedding, and, and she must have had some kind of responsibility for oversight relating to the wedding feast. And, and quite possibly, then, she was a, a relative of the bride or groom or something like that, so that's why she had that role. And it also tells us that Jesus was invited to this wedding, and so um, also were his disciples, and, and at that point there were six disciples that are mentioned in the chapters before in John. And so it was at this, at this setting then that, that Jesus performed this first public miracle by changing water into wine. And that's something that none of us are able to do. It was a miracle performed by Jesus, and according to verse 12 here, it was the first then of the signs that he performed to reveal who he was, to reveal his glory, to reveal his deity, or that he was God. And, you know, as I think about this miracle, compared to some of the other later miracles of Jesus, this one always just seemed to me kind of small uh, until I understood, you know, it wasn't just a couple extra um, bottles of wine that he made water into wine, but there were six stone water pots that held 20 to 30 gallons each. Okay, that's large. And Jesus' instructions uh, to the servants then were to fill each of those to the brim. And so that is a lot of water that was changed into a lot of wine. And not that more makes it more miraculous because we couldn't do it with even a small amount, but that helps us to grasp all of what he did there. And so for whose benefit did Jesus perform this sign? Well, some of them that benefited from it, first of all, would be, I guess I would call them the clueless Blight, yeah, clueless bride and groom. And also the master of the feast, or um, in some of the translations it's called the head waiter. They all appear to have been totally unaware of just what had happened there and where all this good wine came from. The head waiter assumes the bridegroom must have planned it this way, which he thought was kind of backwards from what's normal. And, and John doesn't tell us if they ever really found out the story behind it. But they certainly did benefit from this miracle, as did all the rest of the guests and at the wedding feast. Uh, of those who did come to know about the miracle, I, I see a variety of perspectives um, regarding how they looked at Jesus. Um, and I want to look first of all at the very clear faith uh, of Jesus' mother. Uh, when the wine began to run out, she didn't send the servants to go buy some more. Instead, she came to Jesus and plainly told him what the situation was, that they have no more wine. Well, what did she expect Jesus to do? 
The answer seems to me that she was counting on Jesus to provide some kind of extraordinary help, not the kind of help that anybody else could give. And I think we need to pause for a moment here and just recognize what Mary knew about Jesus. Back in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, it reveals to us that when that angel first came to Mary and told her that she was going to have a child and it was going to be um, fathered by the Holy Spirit, and that that child would then be called the Son of the Most High, or, or even the Son of God, Mary believed what the angel said. And, and so Mary knew then, for, for 30 years, she knew that this child was destined for greatness, and, and nothing would be beyond his capabilities. And, and I've often wondered, just, well, just how did she see, or what did she see, as she was raising Jesus then from this little baby through those adolescent years and teen years and, and into his 20s. There's a, a rather humorous scene that comes to my mind from a movie. I think probably many of you have seen it. Uh, it was back in 2004, the movie The Incredibles. How many of you have seen that movie? Wow, sure. Okay, so you should be able to catch this then. S some of you might remember that in that movie, they're, they're the parents. Do you remember the names? But, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Good answer. Bob and Helen. Yeah. And they had a couple of kids named Violet and Dash. Okay. And then there was one more. Jack Jack. Okay. And so that youngest child, Jack Jack, he was just a toddler. And the babysitter's there one night. And what happens? Jack Jack starts discovering his superpowers. And it's pretty humorous, isn't it? Okay. Well, it just came to my mind. Imagine Mary. And what would she have seen as she watched Jesus? I don't think he did magic, you know, like that movie. I'm not saying that. Um, weird things like that. But he was the son of God. And she raised him. And if anybody would have seen glimpses then of, of Jesus' deity, it would have been his mother, Mary. And when Jesus, at age 12, stayed back in Jerusalem, um, and then you know, they, they didn't realize he was still there, and they went a day's journey, and they had to come back and find him at the temple. And uh, what did Jesus answer? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Mary knew what that meant. She knew what that was about. And it tells us that she treasured these things in her heart. And so by the time of this wedding at Cana, she would have been aware that, of what had happened even in John chapter 1 uh, when John the Baptist um, had declared, there, that's Jesus, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when he had said, and that's the Son of God. And Mary likely would have heard about that, that voice from heaven that day when Jesus was baptized and, and that voice came out of heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. She would have known also that he had now begun his public ministry. And, and he had already started calling disciples. He had six of them there um, at the wedding of Cana, very likely with him. And, and so it seems that Jesus' words to his mother, you know, to us, it sounds like they're almost cold here, but I think we misunderstand them. She knew that in God's time, others were going to come to know who this really was, that her son was the son of God. And, and so she wasn't put off by his statement to her. She knew that one way or another, he could provide extraordinary help that day. 
And so she instructed the servants in, in, at the feast, and she just said to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And they did. And, and they witnessed a miracle. And, and so as we consider the characters in this account, besides the clueless bride and groom, I cannot say that, <laughs> bride and groom and the head waiter, and besides the clear faith of, of Jesus' mother, we also see what I would call the fledgling faith of the disciples and of the servants. The, the servants that day got to participate in this miracle, and, and it must have baffled them. It wasn't a magic show. This was stunning reality. That had been water. They had carried those, all that water and poured into those six large pots. They knew it was water in there. And then in a moment, it became wine. At least 120 gallons of water changed to wine, if they all were. We're not told for sure that they all were, um, but that one pot that they tasted out of it certainly um, uh, became good wine. And, they, and it very likely the rest of it did as well. And, and this was likely then their first encounter really with Jesus, but these servants that day came to believe that Jesus had some amazing powers that really only God could possess. And then there were the six disciples there. They had heard Jesus speak before. They, they'd been amazed by some of the things he taught. One of them, Nathaniel, had been um, baffled because he had been sitting under a tree one day, and another day Jesus told him about that situation, and he hadn't even been near there. And, um, so, and then there were the four disciples that were fishermen, and they had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah that the Old Testament had prophesied and predicted would come someday. But after this miracle at Cana that revealed more about Jesus, they came to see his glory. It tells us that they believed in him, verse 11. And they believed in him as the Son of God, though they were really just beginning to understand what all that would mean. In the next three years then, and what we're going to see as we go through John here during Lent, we're going to see many more signs that Jesus did that really sealed in them then just an unshakable faith that this was truly the all-powerful Son of God. There were some other people, too, who may have been at the wedding that day. And that's some of Jesus' brothers. And if they weren't there, they certainly heard about it. But as we combine what it tells us in verse 12 here with what we see later on in the Gospels, we recognize this about the disciples, or I should say about his brothers, the, the slowness to believe in Jesus of his brothers. Mark chapter 6, verse 3 reveals that actually Jesus had four brothers, James, Joseph, uh, Judas, and Simon, and also at least two sisters. And in John chapter 7, it tells us that his brothers later skeptically said to him, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then John adds this comment about that. He says, for not even his brothers were believing in him. They apparently heard about some of these signs, but they needed more proof. They needed more signs before they would come to believe that their brother truly was the Son of God. However, the time did eventually come when that changed, at least for a couple of them. We know that because Jesus, after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, we find, as we read on in the New Testament, that James, one of the brothers, became a strong leader in the Christian church at Jerusalem. And both he and Jude wrote letters, which we have as books in our New Testament. But at first, they were slow to believe. There's one more person, though, that needs to be considered relating to this miracle at Cana. 
And you might not have noticed this person in the text. That's you. Where do you fit into this story? How about your faith? Have you come around to see who Jesus really is? Have you grasped that? Are the signs that he performed convincing enough for you? John says that he wrote this whole book with you and I in mind. And, and that he revealed these seven signs in order that we would believe. Three things. In order we would believe about Jesus that he's the Christ, that is that he is that one that all the Old Testament talked about, the promised Messiah, the Savior to come, that the whole world needed in order to have forgiveness of sin. Also, John wants us to believe that he's the Son of God. Not mere man, but truly deity, the Son of God sent to earth to rescue us from the guilt of our sins. And then the third thing was this. John wants us to believe that by, by believing in Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior, we personally might have life in his name. That, that is, we might have life here and now in a daily relationship with God through Jesus. And also, that also means then life even after this, beyond the grave, eternal life in the presence of Jesus someday. And you see, if you don't catch that, if, if you don't recognize by all this we go through during Lent here, that Jesus truly is different from any other human, he was the Son of God, and he came to be your Savior, then you miss the most important point of all of this. Because that's why John wrote this gospel. He tells us that in chapter 20. There's one other interesting related thing to note. This same Jesus who had amazing power to change water into wine, also in chapter 4, describes himself as living water. And he says to us, and everyone who drinks of this water, like ordinary well water, is going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that he shall give will never thirst. But that water that he shall give will become in him a well springing up to eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these miracles, these signs that John wrote down so that we'd get a glimpse of what the disciples saw that made them believe that you truly were the Son of God and, and that you came to be the Savior and, and to provide forgiveness for our sin. And, and Lord, I pray that everyone here tonight would grasp that. And as we go through the next weeks, Lord, and we look at each of these signs, uh, I, I pray it more and more it would just affirm to us, Jesus, you truly are an awesome person, different from anybody else who ever walked this earth. You're the Son of God, sent here to be our Savior. And we thank you for that tonight. And we thank you that we can know forgiveness of sin in you. And I pray that that would be the case for each one here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.